Hello humans, hello humans. It's about uh, 11.30ish. And uh, on the 1st of uh, November, heading outbound again. Um, oh, great. <laughs> More road closures here. Uh, we get into the winter here, and it's... I don't know why they do it in the winter, but there's... Oh, I know, because of the tourists. We don't have the traffic. So, so it's kind of an off-season uh, road work and that sort of thing, just because of the tourist load in the area. Anyway, so... Um, been talking about Shungite in the previous uh, audio here. Sorry, I got distracted watching a couple of eagles land in some trees up here. They've been fishing in the um, uh, the river. I don't know which river that is. I think maybe it's the little Hoquiam Inlet River. Anyway, um, so I've been talking about Shungite and its ability to haul in uh, electromagnetic fields. But it's also, it's uh, apparent, although we don't have any uh, mechanism, but it's apparent and observable uh, impact on um, psychicness, right? And so, uh, uh, lots of the Wu people, so a lot of us Wu guys, swear by this fellow by the name of Ingo Swan, all right? Ingo was a, he was like our first, uh, since the last Kali Yuga, he's our first, quote, scientific psi guy. You know, he's not a prophet, he's not, um, you know, giving psychic readings like Edgar Cayce or any of that. They just, he was just a test subject with really good ability, and so all of his abilities were um, tested and documented. And so we have all these documentation aspects about it, and he's a very sharp mind, like incredibly um, uh, detailed and good thinker about things. And the nature of his life, he started thinking about psychic stuff, and he wrote down a lot of um, uh, his thinking about it. So there's a number of books he's got out there. Most of them you can get free on um, online as PDFs, so they're they're available. You know, they're they're basically out of print. A lot of them hard to come by. I have I have copies that I've had since the '80s. Um, anyway, though, so. Uh, Ingo always had this, it, repeatedly through the books, you will come across this idea that he's, he's talking about the difference between um, humans and aliens. Now, now, bear in mind that he had had alien contact in the 80s and 90s with his uh, remote viewing work, with his psychic uh, tests that they put him through. And you should read what they put him through. Oh my God, just incredible, right? A huge amount of uh, of um, paperwork, rigmarole, and all this kind of stuff. It drive drive me absolutely uh, crazy uh, to have done that. Um, so, <laughs> yet more flashing signs. Don't do this. Don't do that for the road because we got all kinds of shit going on up here. Oh, slow moving. Yeah, they're right. It is slow moving. Um, what is it? Paint vehicle? What's going on here? So, oh, I see what's going on. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> you can't do shit like this to me, right? I'm I'm used to like a routine. You can't be fucking with the roads and doing weird shit and not expect me to. Uh, get a bit discombobulated. Anyway, so um, 
so Ingo had this this thing about the space aliens because he'd, he'd been in contact with them um, and uh, they had been in contact with him as a result of the psychic work. And so he, he came down to it. He was saying that, you know, at some point it's going to come down to human telepathy, human psychicness, our psi, psi skills versus the alien psi skills. Okay, their psychic ability, their telepathy, that kind of thing. And I think we're there now. Unfortunately, I think I've involved myself in this, um, whatever we want to call it, this event, this incident, this episode, uh, because of some of the RV work. Um, and I think that all of the guys in the in Dick Allgaier's RV team, as well as all of the, the guys in the German RV team that were trained by Dick's guys, uh, and um, myself and a couple of other individuals are all being uh, monitored by um, our presence in the moon, right? And um, that's just how I characterize it. But basically, it's it's non-human space aliens of some form that are living up in the moon, uh, and they've got their psychic eye on us. And they're watching us, and to some extent, I think they're fucking with us, too. I think that they can do things to, at an individual level, um, to affect your mind and affect your perceptions. Uh, it takes a lot of power for them to do this, and you are able to to fight it and overcome it and so on if you recognize it's happening and you can actually shake them off uh, but they are indeed messing with us and so um, they were they were fucking with us when JC uh, Jean-Claude and myself did the um, uh, the little talk about the moon right on it's on rumble and uh, it took like maybe 20 minutes of that talk before they finally left us and they were like literally pushing on my head to try and get me to not remember the sequence in which I wanted to discuss things. Uh, this was somehow important to them that, that we not discuss certain aspects of it. We did discuss those things, um, but it was something of a, of a chore for myself and for JC. He was also being impacted by these buggers. So, um, so we're in a different world now. Most of the normies wouldn't give credence to it. Um, there's going to be relatively few people in the woo, woo world that will understand the nature of what we're dealing with, but a lot of them, I think, would, would uh, at least grant us that our objective and subjective feelings, uh, or that our subjective feelings did align to some extent with uh, objective reality. <coughs> and this is why this is why it's such a bitch, okay? Because it is subjective, so much of this, and if you don't have mechanisms, if you're not self-aware, if you don't have protocols or disciplines, something, then you're not necessarily going to be A, aware of it, or B, be able to react to it appropriately, right? So, uh, anyway, so alien telepathy, uh, Ingo was not of the opinion that alien telepathy was more powerful than ours, uh, but was simply more practiced, okay, more acknowledged, uh, more integrated into their worldview. Ergo, they did not have the, um, like the social ridicule aspect of uh, size stuff in their environment, and thus you could do things like uh, scientific approaches, work out, um, 
better protocols and stuff because you were um, encouraged uh, in that openness of it to explore it, unlike humans, where we've been slapped down with this idea of psychicness. Now, a lot of this, I gotta say, comes from the Kazarian Mafia, okay? They don't want humans to be psychic. They want us to be as dumb fuck as we can so that they can continue to rule. That's not happening anymore, right? Our, we, we're 325 years, now just about to go into the 326th year out of the uh, last uh, uh, Kali Yuga, and we're in the ascending uh, Dwapa, D- Dwapara Yuga, the Bronze Age, and uh, that shit don't fly now, okay? You can't control humanity the way you used to. And I think that the uh, space aliens are aware of uh, a lot of these issues and that um, their approach is not the same as the Khazarians. So the Khazarians are trying to clamp down and retain control and keep, uh, keep everything under, like, total lock and key uh, relative to humans, and themselves such that they can stay on top of humanity. And this isn't going to happen, right? The we're, we're at that point where all of their systems are failing, and at that same time, we have a more awake population that isn't going to fall for the replacement system um, that they're going to offer. And this is going to cause real problems. They're going to crash. This is going to be a huge deal. So this will be much more energetic than... Um, this same period in the 1900s. So um, in the 1900s, we had had the uh, Spanish flu pandemic, masks, vaccine, deaths, the whole thing, right? Also, all the deaths were killed. The people were killed by the vaccine. They were not killed by the, the flu then, right? By the Spanish flu. They were killed by the vaccine, which originated out of Fort Detrick. Um, there was also the... I, I won't go into those, but in any event, though, so... Uh, in the in the 1900s, after that period of time, there was this um, there was the explosion of fiat currency stuff, including the Weimar Republic going uh, down with the end of their fiat currency, the paper mark, the paper Reichsmark, and um, the rise of its replacement, which was the dollar. Bear in mind that. Before the Weimar Republic, before World War I, the Reichsmark was basically like the world's reserve currency because the French Empire had collapsed and a bunch of other things. Um, But it was also, at that point, gold-backed. It wasn't 100% fiat. Anyway, though, so we get to the point where their fiat collapses in the 1900s, and then shortly after that, in the 1920s, we get into this period of time that... um, uh, we in our current time characterize as like the um, the age of the flappers, the age of liberation. You know, women went out to clubs, women smoked. You know, they cut their hair, they wore short dresses. Um, you know, they exposed their calves and ankles at the beach, that sort of thing. Right? It was a it was a time of um, a very heady time, very liberating time in terms of coming out of the uh, social constraints that had been on through the war and through the um, their version of the mask period, right? Because they had the same three-year kind of mask shit that we've got. Anyway, so they get into this uh, flapper era that lasts through the 20s. And uh, at that same time, of course, you know, Germany's going down, Hitler's rising, all of these kind of things. So we're in that same period of time now. We just do not have here in the U.S., 
this um, uh, emerging uh, common ethos around a particular, uh, basically, philosophical approach to things. So we don't have that unifying um, uh, social overlay, so to speak. So we're all fractured and all of this kind of stuff. Now that's all by design. This will all change as we go forward. There's going to be all kinds of um, disruptive events and people will have a tendency to pull together around those disruptive events. And then my data sets are suggesting that about a year and a half out, so I'm actually saying like, you know, in the latter half, maybe even in the last quarter of 2025, and unlikely before that last half of 2025, uh, we'll get into some level of the normies having to be, that is to say, the mass of our social order will at that point have to be um, um, initiated and educated into this new worldview that will accommodate the presence of non-human uh, beings and our contact with them, as well as our historical contact with them. And so I expect that there will be, over these next few years, we're going to have a an interesting period of time. We're going to have the Kazarian Mafia collapse, so there won't be any large-scale uh, globalist move, right? And uh, Jordan Peterson's ARC effort, his um, Association for Responsible Citizenship or whatever, is yet another WEF, right? It is another organization and um, it had 1,500 members at its first meeting. So, in my opinion, it's been infiltrated by the WEF already, and they're planning on how to destroy it uh, after they take it over. They will take it over because they'll establish uh, bylaws and all of this kind of stuff, and then they game the, the system that they set up in order to become the controllers. And so that will occur with his... Uh, his organization, and it will fail in his efforts. Now, also, I would want to point out, just the language tells you it's an authoritarian um, uh, group, and the only people that are going to join it will be those people that want authoritarianism. How do I know this? Because it is a, it's a group that is a, built around the idea of responsible citizenship. And so, responsibility, responsible citizenship is an instant appeal to an authority that decides what is responsible and what is irresponsible. Okay, so it's not, it's not, there's not like um, Jeff Berwick's, Berwick's group, which is um, the anarcho-capitalists, anarch right? Anarcho-capitalists. Um, where nobody is in charge, you know, you got some people that are running the thing, but they're barely lucky to make money and get it, get it produced, all of this kind of stuff. And there's no big organization around it, just people doing stuff. All right, that's not what's going to happen with Jordan Peterson. It'll get structured. His group's going to be uh, taken over in a few years. If, if he even lasts that long, he'll be out of there because he won't be able to live with it. And it will have been taken over by the people that are fleeing from the WEF now. But they need an organization. And so I'm of the opinion that we're entering into a period of time where there will be fewer and fewer people willing to set up organizations as targets for the WEF and that we'll get into what are called uh, self-organizing collectives, okay? And the self-organizing collective 
can accomplish the same things without uh, that the organization would without having any kind of organizational structure to be targeted by and taken over by uh, the WEF. Um, such organizing collectives, self-organizing collectives, uh, won't necessarily uh, want to uh, do the same kind of things as um, Jordan Peterson's group because the self-organizing collective has no allegiance to nor any um, uh, uh, willingness to involve themselves uh, with officialdom in any level and that's what you have to do in order to have an authority or to claim that you are an authority and you set what is responsible. <coughs> so it gets to the point where Jordan Peterson's ARC uh, group comes on out and says, here are the 10 tenants or 12 or 15 or whatever it is. It'll be some level of commandments. And so here are your 12 commandments of what it takes to be a responsible citizen. And I will instantly say to all 12 of them, hey, fuck y'all, fuck y'all. You know, you cannot tell me what is responsible. That is the instant appeal to an outside authority. And I'm not making you guys an authority. You know, you're just a bunch of fucktards like everybody else. Uh, so anyway, so this is this is what we're coming into now. And again, also, we have to bear in mind that organizations are easily controlled by the space aliens because they only have to target one or two people at the top in order to get things to occur. And they fuck with those guys' minds. And lo and behold, there you go. The whole organization gets a little wonky and stuff, right? Well, we're coming up into a period of time here where our history of interacting with these space aliens will be coming out in a very factual way. More and more people are, are um, getting the idea about the Elohim being real, absolute, evil, evil beings that you don't want to know and, and you never want to invite them to a party, right? And, um, and so the Elohim, the Anunnaki, all of these kind of guys are evil motherfuckers. And uh, uh, we're going to have to to come to terms with the facts that uh, all of our religions are created around these bastards. Now there's economic reasons that the Mormon church is collapsing now, um, having lost like uh, two thirds of its revenue in the last couple of years as people fall away from their uh, allegiance to it, their adherence to it, right? Because all of these things, right? So nation states, uh, military organizations, uh, secret societies like the Freemasons and religions and those kind of things are all held at a particular, uh, or they hold binds to you. They bind you in a particular fashion through your emotional um, perception of them, right? So it's all an emotional thing. So, if we get to the point, like with the Mormon church, where there was a big, uh, a big deal because um, their prophet, uh, Joseph Smith, I think was his name. Anyway, he, um, uh, he claimed the, that he wrote the Book of Mormonism because of talking with this uh, angel named Moroni. And, uh, and he translated the, and he was taught how to translate these ancient Egyptian scrolls. And he translated this ancient Egyptian scroll and wrote the Book of Mormon from it. Well, lo and behold, you know, a few years back, uh, some people examine that scroll and say, 
uh, yo dude, we can read this fucker, and it's a funerary scroll for a minor official in this particular um, little village, right? Wasn't even a big mucky muck, he was just a minor official in a little village, and, and it was his funerary scroll listing uh, some aspects of his life and some of the things he accumulated and had nothing to do with anything that shows up in the Book of Mormon. And there was lots of big dispute and so on, but after, you know, like dozens and dozens and dozens of people that know the old Egyptian hieroglyphs and stuff, um, and even the Aramaic that was on the uh, scroll itself, uh, after they look at it and everybody says the same damn thing, that, you know, this word is a guy's name, this this little glyph right here is uh, is where he was located. This is little glyph is where he is he was buried, right? These three glyphs have nothing to do with this angel Moroni. Uh, you know, and that that's all made up. Well, the Mormon church had a real hard time, right? They got slapped, bitch slapped with uh, the reality. Now, uh, and so they're down, reduced down to a third of their revenue as a, as a global church organization. And it's falling away uh, very rapidly at, in a very uh, steady, at an increasingly, uh, at an increasing rate. So, you know, there are people I know that are projecting that, you know, six or seven years from now, there might be one or two Mormon churches hanging around as a hang-on. But it'll be that, that severe over this course of time. And we're now getting to that point with um, uh, the Catholic Church. When the Catholic Church goes through this, they're going to have their own same sort of a deal in the sense that it's going to come out that all the translations of all of the their original source material are bogus, 100% bogus, deliberate uh, fabrications, deliberate delusions, deliberate deceptions, you know, and you won't be able to claim pious forgeries, that kind of deal. Um, you know, you're not going to be able to say, oh, well, God wanted me to lie so that you'd get more adherence. It's like, dude, you know, that is so fucking lame. Uh, you know, if your God needs uh, lies, it's an Elohim. It's a space fucking alien. It's not the creator of our universe. So anyway, so we're coming to this point where we're going to have this, these big emotional impacts. Now, these big emotional impacts that are coming out are going to hit us in that very narrow thread of confidence that binds us to these institutions. This is the same level of, of uh, emotional um, thread that binds us to like nation states or currencies even, right? Or governments. And so here we are in a period of time where the Kazarian Mafia is desperate to keep us in the Kali Yuga. We're all waking up and we're losing all of our inbuilt chains that bind us emotionally to the um, false illusionary organized world that had been set up by the Kazarian Mafia over these last 300 plus years. 400 plus years at this stage. And so uh, the expectation is that we will be leaving en masse. You know, a lot of us just won't make any big fuss about it. We'll ju they'll just not go anymore, right? People just won't go to church anymore. They'll, they'll stop tithing. They'll stop, you know, all of that. And it's going to have a huge impact on the more organized churches first. And then the rest of the churches will fall away and we will have 
the emergence of a great revival, I think, of faith. Okay, then the question is, what do you put your faith into? And so we've got to go all the way back. And so there will be people like Mauro Biglino and other people that will show us all of the history of the actual language of dealing with these space aliens and stuff. And then we'll come up with some conclusions that are perfectly valid and very factual. No space alien ever made or created any life on this planet. They could only work with existent life. Ergo, there is a creator of everything that is beyond these fucking space aliens. So El Elyon could claim to be the most high god, but he was simply the ruler of the Elohim, and he didn't create Adam, right? They took and, um, and modified a woman, uh, genetically modified a woman. When she was old enough, they impregnated her with genetically modified material in order to create Adam. They did this, according to the literature, for 191 years before they were successful in creating Adam the way they wanted. And they went through thousands of these, uh, so they killed thousands of, of humans in this process of, of making Adam. And then they went for another seven years to make Eve. Um, so, all of the religions are going to have to deal with this, but in, it is my opinion that we will fall out of the structure that the religions imposed on our thinking, but we will fall out in such a way that we will um, fall out into a clearer vision of a universal creator, etc., 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 right? Without all of the... Um, uh, the little kids' stories, without all of the personality, without all of the uh, the names and all of these kind of things. And so, in my opinion, from like um, 2025 onward, especially 2025, after we get into the face-to-face uh, -face kind of shit with the knowledge about the space aliens. I'm not saying they're going to show up in 2025. I'm saying my data says that humans have to deal with it. You know, we got to come to solid fucking grips with this shit as a species, as, an, uh, you know, throughout all of whatever organizations remain to our species at that point. Because by 2025, many governments will have collapsed with the crashing of their money. So the government in uh, Germany collapsed on this, in the sixth month of hyperinflation, the government was gone. College professors didn't go to work. Uh, patent people didn't go to work. Tax collectors didn't go to work. Nobody went to work because they didn't get paid and the government didn't do shit. Um, unfortunately, we invented new money and they went back to it. You know, we should have just left it that way and we would have been far better off. Anyway, um, so in 2025, we're going to go through this. We're going to have governments collapse before then as we go through two years of uh, the degradation of all fiat currencies. And then, like I say, in 2025, there will be something that will prompt us as a species to have to deal with space aliens. Uh, we'll take that prompt and we'll have to deal with it. Some of us, in any way, will face it as adults and, and not shy away of it because we know how, how dire the situation is at that point. That same feeling of trepidation, of uh, risk, of uh, anxiety at a collective level will prompt, in my opinion, this uh, great revival of faith. And um, I find faith in humans to be extremely valuable, okay? I love, love interacting with faithful people. Um, 
extremely valuable. Something, the best thing you can have is faith, all right? I translate my faith into my discipline, uh, but I'm a faithful person, you know, uh, you know, upstanding, loyal, all of that kind of shit, right? Anyway, so uh, we're going to go through that. We're going to have this giant faith um, revival and the creation of new religions as a result of that, because a lot of people need religion. Uh, I don't. I don't need the collectivism and all of that kind of stuff. But that. But I don't. But I do recognize that you know my way of approaching things are. It's not suited for everybody. And so we're going to have this uh, uh, period of time, and then uh, you know, as I say, we'll get get into the face to face kind of thing or aliens in our face. However, we want to think about it. They're not actually going to be here, but we will have to face them, face the idea of them, face the. Uh, impact they've had on uh, humanity and all of our lives, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then probably a couple of years after that, then we really do have, um, you know, like skin to skin kind of contact. And so it's going to be a very fascinating four or five years here. Um, all of it tied to and all of it dependent upon the uh, emotional, all, all of it, uh, interacting with and dependent upon an emotion. Okay. Uh, and that is both the weakest possible thing because you can change your mind and not feel that emotion. You know, I don't love you anymore, or I don't like you, that kind of thing, right? You change your mind and that emotion changes, or it can be the most powerful thing in reality, which is, um, you know, in spite of that, X, Y, Z, whatever, I have faith in myself. I have faith in my species. I have faith in, in my perception of reality. And, and as long as I don't change that in terms of my mind, there's nothing that you, an external force could do to make me change it. So you cannot destroy my faith, right? You could assault it. You could try all these different kinds of things. But as long as I am unwilling uh, to make that change in myself, there's nothing you can do about it, nothing you can do to prompt it, nothing you can do to, to create it. The only thing you can do is kill me. Um, you know, and that isn't going to work out too well for, for a lot of these people that are trying all this shit. Anyway, got to go and do work. Uh, we'll get into some kind of a new routine here. As I say, we're probably, well, we are in the process of relocating. It's going to take us a while to do all of this shit. Um, that's going to be disruptive. We'll have new environment and so on. Uh, but we'll get into some kind of a groove a little bit later. Um, anyway, okay, so take care. Uh, big stuff coming up. You know, get your finances in order, people. The fiat is dying, and it's dying very rapidly.